0: You're listening to the Harbor Worship Center podcast with Pastor Mike St. For more information about the Harbor Worship Center, please visit us at harborwc.com. Enjoy today's message. How I many of you played hide and seek? Let me see your hand. Now, there are some um, variations of the game, but for me, here's the way we used to do it. We had, uh, first of all, we decided who was going to be it, Right? Nobody really wanted to be it first, but uh, so nonetheless we decided who was gonna be it. And that person named it was the seeker. And then the seeker would run over to normally a tree or beside the house or a carport or somewhere, and they would supposedly hide their eyes. And they would count to a predetermined number. And you know, we to count sort of like you say if we had to count to a hundred, you know, or twenty, four, sixty, eighty 8, you know. Yeah. <laughs> We sort of fudged the numbers a little bit. We never did count like one, two, or they'd done that to about five, and then it got real, you know, uh, sporadic. And then they would say, um, ready or not, here I come, and they would leave out and start looking for the other five or ten people, ever how many was there. Now, in our variation, what we did, we had the home base. Say it was this oak tree right here. And as the seeker would run out and start heading to find people and start looking underneath shelters and behind trees and carports and garage or whatever, people would know that he was on that side of the house, and they would run from over here back to the base. And if they got back to the base, they were safe and didn't have to be it in the next round. Are you all with me? That's kind of the way we've done it. And uh, we had a great time with it. Now, uh, some of you have already said you've played... uh, hide-and-seek, and, seek. and uh, I played it all my life when I was a kid, and even after Kelly and I uh, had children, even uh, all four children, we used to play hide-and-seek in the house. Now, that can get dangerous, because kids don't mind climbing up in the attic. They don't know you've got to step on the rafters or something, you know. Kids don't mind doing some radical stuff, some crazy stuff, but we said we play hide-and-seek in the house, and we got about a 2,000-square-foot house, and I'll never forget one day we decided to play hide-and-seek, and I don't even remember who was it, but everybody went and hid. And so we'd start finding people, and we'd eventually find them, and it's somebody else's turn. Well, this particular time, they counted off, and everybody went and hid, and we was all gone, and um, I don't remember who was it, but it, it, it got concerning after about 10 minutes, and we never could find A.J., I mean, we looked for him. I mean, we didn't found everybody else, and I'm not sure if all the kids was there or what, but uh, Kelly and I were found, saved. <laughs> anyway, uh, everybody else was found. We, we can't find A.J. nowhere. He's hiding. And so five minutes goes by, 10 minutes goes, 15, and you know, you start saying, A.J. No answer. Kelly, where are you at, A.J.? No answer. So we go to the laundry room, and we go to the den, and we go to the bedroom, we go to the closets, we go everywhere. We clean through the house. We go to the attic. We go to the yard. We go to the barn. We go everywhere. Came out of no AJ, gone. It's like the rapture took place, and he was the only one ready. Huh? <laughs> we thought sure because we go in his room, and there were some clothes on the floor, but no. <laughs> But nonetheless, we couldn't find him. I mean, nowhere. I mean, time went by. It must have been 20 or 30 minutes went by. And finally, I'm like, AJ, if you're in this house, you better come out. First time, that didn't work. And then, you know, finally, I'm really excited now. If you're in this house and you hear me and you don't come out, I'm going to wear you out. And after about a third of these He starts laughing, and we're like, "Where in the world is he at?" We're standing in the living room. I mean, yeah, in the living room, uh, right there between the living room room and dining room area. And we had this big table, and up underneath this table, right between the the, there's a leg here and a leg back here, and there's like a one by eight, or or sorry, two by eight, or two by ten, or something that ran right the whole length of a long table. And he goes up under there and lays on the table. I mean, so. He is suspended off of the floor by this high because I looked under the table 10 times. He's suspended between the table top and and about right here and he's looking right at the bottom of the kitchen table. Never said a word, you know? And and then I wanted to scold him because he had my heart going. I thought he done got an attic and got electrocuted or something. But nonetheless, I said, hey, AJ, if somebody ever breaks in the house and I'm not here, go right there. They'll never find me huh? That's right. Hiding and seeking. What I want to tell you is that God is still seeking people. God is still looking. I read in the book of Ezekiel, one of my favorite books, and the Bible says God looked for a man that would stand in the gap and that would make up the hedge. And I want to tell you today that God is still looking for people that will live for Him in a world gone crazy. I'm not saying God's looking for people that will be elitist and act like they're better than the world that God sent us here to win. See how quiet it got? I know there's a, we got to be careful here. God sent you and I to be the salt and light. In other words, to enhance and bring light to a dark world. Jesus said, I didn't come to fix those who were already whole. I came to seek and save the lost. And God is still seeking His creation. He's still looking. Now, it's not that you're lost from Him because, I mean, as far as He's concerned, because He knows where you are. Are you hearing me? He knows exactly where you are, but God is still seeking. I think about Isaiah, the prophet. Isaiah said in chapter 6, Um, that he heard the Lord in the temple say, Who will go for us, and to whom uh, shall we send? God still looking for someone. So God is still seeking. Now, you've played the game before uh, in your backyard or at the park or whatever, but I'll bet you, if, if I'm right, and I think I probably am, I have, and I would guess that you have as well, played this same hide-and-seek with God. Hello? Now, we didn't make no deal with Him, you know, that we're going to run out. But I remember when God called me to preach, I put on my running shoes, man. Thirty, you know, uh, two years later, I got uh, out of high school. Thirty days later, twenty-eight days later, actually, I got married. Shortly thereafter, I joined the Air Force. I was gone, man. I'm running. I'm out. But whither shall we flee from the presence of the Lord? You can run, but you cannot hide. When I got to San Antonio, Texas, there was God. Amen. After a long, hard day and a fresh, bald head, I sat by the light of an exit sign and read a New Testament Bible. Are you hearing me say amen? And God reminds me, you can run, but you cannot hide. I'll be there when you get there. I am omnipresent. I am here and there at the same time. So... um that's just how it is. So, But God is still seeking, and here's the thing. Like myself, many of you are still hiding. It's getting a little quiet right there. I want to show you a story this morning, if I may, because I think it answers kind of a question that begs, and that question is, what is it that God wants me to do? You say he's still seeking people, and people are still hiding from him. But what, what is it? I want to take you all the way back to Genesis, chapter number 3, and, or chapter 2, rather. And in Genesis chapter 2, uh, we find some scripture here uh, in verse number 16 where God has said some things. He's given some warning. We're going to see the creation of woman in chapter 2 because God said... It ain't good for man to be alone. Man alone gets in trouble. God said it's not good for him to be alone, so God put him to sleep one night, took from his ribs a rib, and created woman. Now, I know that's why we don't understand women, because we were asleep when God made them. So we ain't got a clue about what God did You know, and then he woke us up and said, this is woman. She's yours. And uh, love her and take care of her and be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and all that. But no instructions was laid beside her. And we have grappled with this ever since. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God about that. But uh, nonetheless. But today, uh, here we find ourselves. God has created woman. And he warns Adam in the garden prior to the creation of Eve. Notice this in 2 and 16 of Genesis. He says, of every tree of the garden, you may freely, uh, of every tree, may, but out of the tree of, the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. In other words, in the middle of the garden, there was two trees. One was the tree of life. The other was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the Bible says that this is before he even created one. He said, But the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you shall eat of it, you shall surely die. Man was not intended to die. Are you with me? Say amen. We were intended, we were created to live forever. And mind you, when revelation is complete. Amen. After the rapture of the church and the tribulation period, and the white throne judgment, the millennial, or the millennial reign, then the white throne judgment, and all that good stuff, guess what? God's going to restore things to the way he intended it originally. The curse will one day be removed. Amen. The curse where the snake now crawls on his belly and is enmity between man and the snake where we bruise his head and he bruises our heel. One day that curse will go away. The curse where it hurts to bear children. It wasn't supposed to hurt, ladies. One day it'll go away. Man, why is it that the ground does not yield its strength? There's a curse upon the earth. She don't yield her strength. Man, you till the ground in the sweat of your brow. And and it's hard to make things look green and look good because the earth has been cursed, if you will. He says, "Um, the the ground has been, and the man has been, and the woman has been, and the snake has been. He said, but there's coming a day. You know what? There was never never thorns before, but because of the curse, thorns and thistles now infest the ground. And I personally believe, this is my college, you can buy it or not, it doesn't matter. But uh, when you go pick a rose and you get pricked by the thorns, it reminds us of why they're there because of our disobedience are you with me so uh, let me move on uh or or if you like blackberries and you like to make cobblers oh i used to love to go pick those berries but guess what if you ain't careful you can get on some uh some stickers some thorns so god uh, what you what you got to understand is this god placed man and woman in the garden of eden a beautiful place where uh, the paradise of god where where everything was luscious and beautiful and they had everything they needed. But how many of you know that there's an old saying that says curiosity killed the cat. We somehow want what we cannot have. We want what is forbidden. Period. I do, you do. We always long for what God says you can't have. So Eve, uh, notice with me, Eve knew the tree was forbidden. Notice chapter 3 verse 2. In chapter 3 and verse 2 and the woman said to the serpent because now there's a conversation going on with the serpent and Eve and the woman knew better uh, than eat of this tree like I said there's two trees there the woman said to the serpent we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden Um, she says but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil but of that tree in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, you shall not touch it, lest you die. So she says, We got all of this, and how many of you know that we always worry about the one thing that we don't have? We got this toy, we got that toy, we've got this hobby and that hobby, but there's this one thing that, man, if we could ever do this, we'd be complete. And we get that, and we're not complete. And Lord, if we could just get this other thing, if we could do that, we would be complete, but we're not complete. And, and the Bible says in verse number six that, uh, before we go there, let me say this. Here's a note. Don't ever have conversation with the devil. Don't ever entertain what he's saying. Because when you get into a debate with him, he knows the Bible better than you do. Are you with me? Say amen. He's a lot older than you are. He's full of craftiness and trickery. He he knows these things, so don't speak to him. He won't tell you the truth about anything, let alone when he's supposedly speaking for God. So, in fact, he says, God, God didn't really say it like that. You've misunderstood it, you know. He didn't mean that, you know, you'd really die. He just knows you'll be smart as he is. Notice chapter 3 and verse 6. With me. So the woman saw that the tree was good and it was pleasant to her eyes and desired her to make one wise. So she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave to her husband and he ate. Watch this. Now, now before I go there, uh, I want you to, to get this. The devil said it's really not as bad as what God said it's going to be. I'll tell you, our nation is steeped in this right now. We don't believe that God's word is true. Satan lied to Eve and said, you know, God really, man, it's not that you're going to die. You're just going to be smarter. How I many of you know a half-truth is tantamount to a lie? He says, you're going to be smarter. You're going to be as wise as he is. And you know, one of the problems is, I've talked to so many people, somehow we feel like we've arrived and we can advise God. Romans tells us, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. All All right, let me move on. I'll stay with this. The Bible says that after they ate, then their eyes were opened. And they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Now, I, I got to stop and camp for a moment. Prior to this, they were in the garden and they were prancing around and just having a great time and were very innocent. How I many you, you got grandbabies or babies? I, I've got some grandbabies, and man, if you let them run around naked, they will. And they're innocent, have no clue, no idea. That, you know, but there comes a time where you can't do that. Y'all with me? Some of y'all been going to nude beaches. I'm all teasing. No. But there's a time, there's a time when you can't do that anymore. And, and the Bible tells me that all of a sudden they, can you imagine? Prior to the, the enlightenment, they didn't even know they was naked. And now they look at one another and say, Oh, my goodness. I never quite saw you like that before. Y'all with me? And all of a sudden, something smote their heart because of the enlightenment. And they know now. Now, I, listen, I know we're thinking about their physique. But I believe they could appreciate that even before eating the fruit. I believe they could appreciate how God made them prior to that. But what's happened now is there's, a, there's something that hits their heart that says, I'm wrecked. I'm messed up. I've got this knowledge of what I've done and it's killing me. Let me try to make sense out of this for you. So they realized the error of their way. Their eyes were open and they did two things. Now I want to tell you something what happens with mankind and this is what Adam and Eve did. Well, two things happen. They realized we're naked. And they got them some fig leaves and began to make them some clothes. Now, what we do to cover ourselves and hide from our mistakes, I want you to understand, will not work. God will always know that we still messed up. No matter what we do to try to cover ourselves, they decided, I'll fix this. First of all, didn't they think it was going to look weird when God come down the next day to walk with them in the cool day and all of a sudden they got on bikinis? All of a sudden he's got on a fig leaf one piece or whatever. I don't know. But God is going to know. And here's the deal. They give it away because they knew. And something in their mind. Are you with me? Say amen. And you know what? Usually when you get in trouble like that and you've done something wrong, they don't want to look you in the eye. How many of you ever dealt with your children? Uh, Kelly would tell them that. Look in my eyes. Uh, The eye is the window to the soul. Now here's So this brings us to this place. God now comes walking in the garden. In the cool of the day. God comes walking like he has done days and days and days before. He's walking in the garden. But today was somewhat different. Adam and Eve were not where they normally are. They were not doing what they normally do they were not happy-go-lucky they were not uh you know just carrying on having a good time talking about the birds and you know or whatever they do there in the paradise of god but he did not hear them playing he did not hear them running he did not see them cooking he didn't see any of these things that would have been the norm for him but he's walking around and it's like telling i in the house AJ. Finally, God says, Adam? And they heard God walking, and they heard his voice. And they went and hid themselves. Are you with me? They covered themselves, and they hid themselves. Um, nothing, not a sound in the garden. Maybe the chirp of a bird or the bark of a squirrel. But God looks and he listens and there is no Adam, there is no Eve, there's nothing to be seen. God calls out to his creation and he asks some questions. And he comes up with four questions that I want to ask you today. Four questions that God asks every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. I want to tell you something. Did you know when your children start acting a little strange? That's when we as parents start asking questions. Isn't that right? They come in a little late. Where you been? Huh? They come in a little wobbly. What you been doing? Who you, let me see your cell phone. Who is uh, Zeke? Huh? Who is this? What is this picture doing on your phone? What is that in your hand? Why can't you stand up? Why are you laying down? And whose house are you at? And who's that smoking a joint? Uh, Questions. Questions. We um, are inquisitive parents, or we should be. But when the kids start acting kind of strange, we start asking some questions. Where have you been? Who have you been with? What what did you do tonight? Uh, Have you been drinking? Is my car okay? Well, you know, what is that on your neck? Mosquito bit you or something. and he says, Adam, here it is, where are you? Where are you? Adam knew he was in trouble because God had never had to ask him that before. I I can hear the word. I can hear my dad. I'll never forget when I was told we could not leave the neighborhood. Had a buddy of mine wanted me to go to Indian Lake. And man, we, me and my sister tore out and went to Indian Lake. It's about a mile, but you had to go through the woods. It was a uh, pretty uh, a scary journey. Many kids had gotten in trouble at that lake. Some had drowned at that lake. Here we are out on a raft, on, way out in the middle of the lake. Some friends and so and We just had a great time until I heard my, Michael! And I knew the sound of that voice echoing through the trees. Are y'all hearing me? I mean, it was like a megaphone without a megaphone. He called again. I answered. I'm paddling as quick as I can to the, get back to the side. Me and my sister run. Man, we're hurrying quick as we can. I, my friends think something's wrong. They don't realize it is. He had done drove the car all the way around three or four miles and got to the entrance there to Indian Lake. And when he saw us coming through the woods, he reached over and grabbed a limb off a tree. And he began breaking that limb, and he wore the backside of me and my sister out. He'd be in jail today, there ain't no doubt. I was too scared to call 911. <laughs> are y'all with me? Michael, where are you? And that's what God said to Adam. Adam, where are you? Uh, there's some implications with that question. I think it's good for us to ask. I can think of times when Kelly says on the phone, I hear her talking to Andrew, Where are you? Carly, where are you? Where are you in life today? It's a question that is filled with implications that almost demand other questions. Why are you so hard to find? Why are you hiding from me? Haven't I been a good God to you? Haven't I provided everything you need and then some? Where are you? What has enticed you away from me? Um, God knew where Adam was, but he wanted Adam to take an inward look. He wanted Adam to own it himself. And I want to tell you something. You can never get better from the place you are until you admit that you are where you are. Hello? If you're abusing alcohol every night of your life, you finally got to come to grips with that's what I'm doing. If you're running around, you finally got to come to grips and say, this is where I am. If you're doing horrible things and cheating on your taxes and whatever, this is where I'm at and you cannot fence anymore. You got to say, this is where I am. It's the only way to get better. So God knew where he was at. So where are you, Adam? His truthful answer should have been, I'm over here hiding because I've sinned against you. We can think of a question, where are you in terms of our own situation? Where are you today in your relationship with God? That's a personal question. Where are you today in your personal relationship with the Lord? Another question, are you... A Christian, if not, certainly you could become one today. You need to be in Christ and a member of his body. Again, where are you? Not only are you a Christian, but are you a faithful Christian? I've heard so many definitions of Christian, I'm almost uh, at nausea with it. Are you with me? Say amen. Let me say it. Here it is. Christian means to be like Christ, period. Where do you stand in your obedience to God? Are you truthfully doing the will of God on a daily basis? Have you truly given up self that you might have a life of faithful service to Him? Are you faithful? Are you a diligent soldier of the cross? If you have need of improvement, will you improve or will you just ignore it? Let me say this. The only, the only way to improve is to say, I'm over here, God. They made them clothes that would not work. They they, they tried to hide themselves, but they could not hide. That was the first question. Where are you? The second question was Who told you you were naked? Because they found themselves in the garden, and um, God says, Where are you? They said, We are naked, so we hid ourselves from you. You Find this in chapter 3. God says, uh, who told you you were naked? Let me put that in perspective for you. Adam and Eve to this point lived in the state of innocence. They were naked and unashamed because of sin, and because of sin, because of eating of the tree that they were forbidden to eat from, their eyes was open, and innocence now is lost forever. Who told you that? It's a question that we've all asked ourselves from time to time, and even our children. My children have sometimes told me some crazy, nutty things about life, and I'd have to say, who told you that? Let me give you some examples to go to church to be a Christian? Who told you that? See how quiet that one just bounced all over the room. They're going to light my email up tonight baby. Let me go ahead and give you a scripture for it just to help you out and this is only one of many. But Hebrews tells us in 1025, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, and all the more as we see the day of the Lord approaching. Mind you, that when Christ left, he left gifts for the church. That is the congregation of the saints. We cannot exercise the gifts of the church from the living room couch. I'm not going to get too carried away, just want to show you that. Because somebody's going to grab this tonight. And comb through it. Hallelujah. So that's one example. I don't really need to get baptized. do I was getting wet. I got to do it. who told you that? Jesus, our Lord, said to his cousin, baptize me. He said, I have need to be baptized with thee. I'm not going to baptize you. He said, suffer it to be so, John, to fulfill the prophecy. Okay, Lord, nevertheless, it's your word. He put our own Savior, Jesus Christ, he baptized him. So who told you? Well, I'm 40, I don't care if you're 90 years old or 109 years old. If you've gotten saved, you ought to be baptized in water to tell the world that the old man died, got covered up with the water, representative of the ground, and brought up, raised to newness of life, and the life I now live, I live for Jesus Christ. And I live it in the power of His resurrection that raised Him from the dead and shall also raise me. So who told you that? Nonsense. I don't need to partner with the church or have an identity with the church. I can just sort of float around. Who told you that? Huh? Huh? Yeah, so The harbor's not my harbor. Well, praise God. It ain't get to the Southeast, get to Christ church, get to the First Baptist, get to the First Methodist. Get somewhere and serve God. Don't have to be here. we like it to be, but if we don't suit your fancy, find some Bible-believing God-fearing church and get in it. The truth is most people tell me that foolishness ain't going nowhere. They want an excuse to sit home and still feel like I'm going to heaven. Praise God, me and Jesus. got it worked out. It's going to be a bad time to figure it out at the judgment seat of Christ. Are you all with me saying Who told you that? I don't need to get involved. I can just sort of sit back and watch others. Who told you that? I don't need to do this and be a part of reaching and educating and deploying. I don't have to get online with the vision of the church. I just sort of throw a little money and whatever. Who told you that? The Bible tells us something real important in the book of James. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves I preach my heart out every Sunday and it is not for you just to hear it I try to give you an action step step that says this is how you walk out what I just preached Jesus said something like walk in the light as the light shines upon your path we have to be doers of His word man I need to move on time has a way of getting by there's another question He says to Adam and Eve, um, So he said, Where are you? He says, Have you, uh, who told you you were naked? Who told you that? And then the third question he asks is Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat of? God knew the answer to that question. He knew that for them to realize that they were naked. They had had to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Are you with me? Say amen. God knew that they had eaten of the tree. He wanted them to own up to it. God has given us an opportunity to say, here I am, Lord. It amazes me. It amazes me. I've seen people convicted of murder. Cold-blooded murder. There's the evidence. There's the DNA. There's the fingerprints. There's everything. And they still swear their innocence before the world. I mean, I've met people, and you have too. I know your counselors have. Man, they could tell you that speaker is white and almost convince you. And, and I know if my eyes hadn't lied to me, it's black. Y'all with me? Say amen. I've had people look me in the eye and tell me I did not do that. Me looking at a video saying, you mean that ain't you? That ain't me. He said, have you eaten of the tree I told you could not eat? You see, getting people to, let me see. Getting you to see his sins ain't no problem. Getting y'all to see my sins ain't no problem. But if we could put a big old mirror up here and we could all stand in it and look at our own self, it's hard to see our own sins. See, you see everybody else's sin with a microscope and yours with a telescope. (laughs) Yeah. You see, uh, I mean, you take a star that is many times the size of the earth, it looks like this in the night sky. That's the way we see our sin. In reality, it's bigger than the world. But we see it like this. I mean, we go to a microscope and we see something that's uh, not even visible to the naked eye and we magnify it 10,000 times and all of a sudden, wow! Wow! That's how it is. Have you eaten of the tree? I commanded you not. See, the blame game starts. And since we're in the middle of the game on series, and as it stands right now, we're blaming everything for everything except the guilty parties. Um, Adam, talking to God, he said, have you eaten of that tree? And Adam says, "Uh, the woman. The woman that you gave me. That's, you know, God, you didn't give me no instructions. I was asleep. Now, I don't know if he said that, but I would have probably thought of something like that. But he said, the woman, you you said it wasn't good for me to be alone. And now you gave me her. And now look at this mess I'm in. And uh, he turns to the woman and says, the last question. The last question is, he addresses to Eve, what have you done? What have you done? That's a question that that a young man looks into the mirror and asks. It's a question that a man looks at someone on the ground with blood pouring from him, that in the heat of a moment when a drug deal went bad... And in the heat of the moment, you pulled a gun and shot him, killed him. In the heat of the moment, you pushed somebody so hard they hit their head against something and broke their neck and fell dead. And they look and they cry and they say, What have I done? You understand the ramifications of what you've just done. While it may have been an accident, it's going to be an accident you're going to pay for for many years and many tears. What have I done? That's just how it is. We often find ourselves asking, what have we done? We don't get it sometimes, but God addressed this question. He says to the woman, what have you done? No doubt she wanted to think that she had only eaten a little piece of fruit off of a tree. What have you done, Eve? You did what God told you not to do. God said, In the day that you eat of this fruit, you will surely die, or this tree. Now, the ramification is you have lost your home, Eve. The garden of Eden is gone. It'll be off limits forever. What have you done? You've brought sin into this world, and with sin comes death, and with sin comes consequences. What have you done? You've brought sorrow upon women the rest of their lives. What have you done? It's far deeper. The devil will never, never tell you the deep ramifications of what he's enticing you to do. He don't show you the wrecked home. He he don't show you those who are addicted to various things. Let's just say it's the lottery, for instance. And, and and I'm not saying you go into hell if you play in the lottery. By all means, if you win, pay your time. But if your babies don't have milk and diapers on their bottom and you're buying $30 worth of tickets a week, you are sinning. You are wrong. You need to spend that money and buy them some milk and some diapers. If your wife has nothing to cook uh, for the family or or, or for you to cook or somebody to cook, that's wrong. The the devil won't show you the ramifications of people that get hooked. My dad used to fill in occasionally for my brother-in-law who had a mom and pop type store outside of Columbus, Georgia. They had a retired veteran. Every time he got paid on the third or the first whatever it was, he would come in and blow almost every dime of his retirement. He would sit there and play those games, scratch those tickets. He would do that. And sometimes he would win $500. There's been times he won $1,500. But there's been more times then I can count where he went in the hole and barely ate until next month. But people live on that fantasy, but I won $2,000 that one, but how many times you gotta lose $5,000? You understand what I'm saying? The devil don't show you losing your car, losing your wife because you can't live with that instability, losing your children because of this lifestyle. And whether it's that or something else, A drunk driver gets out of his car and goes to see a young teenager that he just killed because he had to get across town knowing that he had had too many. What have I done? And you can't take it back. They're gone. What have I done? How many parents have stood at at the hospital and says over their child who's now maimed for life what have you done? How many times have I told you about this? What have I done? It's a big question. Through the ages we've thought about that. What have I done? This person that you married this uh, unfaithfulness that you're involved in this um, mother that's Turned corrupt, this dad that's doing things he shouldn't do at work, this fit of anger that fathers sometimes display. What have we done? Here's the way I want to close this. I want to ask you today, since we know that God is still seeking, and that mankind is still hiding. I'll never forget when I played the game. You know, we normally played in the dark because it was more fun at the night. You had to cover of darkness and you could run back to home base. I'll never forget the guy would go over to the pole and he's counting one, two, three, 49, 59, uh, 60, 61, or whatever, and he gets to 75 or whatever the count is. And then he would turn around and he would say something real loud. He'd say, ready or not, here I come. And the Lord hit me with that. And it's as if 2,000 years ago, the count started. And I do believe with everything in me that Jesus is to the church. Ready or not, here I come. He's coming back again. He's coming back whether you're ready or whether you're not. I'm telling you, friend, as you stand with me this morning, question, where are you? It's a question that will echo in our mind and our heart. Who told you that? Have you eaten of this tree that I commanded you not to eat? What is this that you have done? Friend, while you're with me right now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I want to ask you this question. Where are you? How about you, sir? How about you, ma'am? Where are you today? Are you still hiding? Are you still trying to cover yourself with your own fig leaves? I want to tell you this today, that your covering ain't never going to work. Your hiding is never going to work. The only way is to say, God, I'm over here. And in that place, you fall on your knees and say, Lord, I submit to you, please forgive me. Your covering will work. The Bible says that God demonstrated his love toward man that while we were yet steeped in sin, God sent his son, Christ, to die for the ungodly, Romans 5 and 8. And that he sent him to die for us. It is his blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. It is his blood that saves us and sets us free. And I want to say something. His blood is not a covering for us. His blood literally washes away the sin and removes it from us. The old blood was a covering. The blood of bulls and goats, but the Bible says the blood of bulls and goats was no longer enough. So now we're redeemed not with that of bulls and goats, but that of an incorruptible seed—the blood of a spotless lamb slain from the foundation of the world, Jesus Christ. And while we're here today, I want to ask you this question. Where are you? Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at harborwc.com.